For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Um, This is our last message, by the way, in the book of Hebrews. And as we've been looking at it, we've been... The writer has been wrestling uh, with these believers who have come to the place where they're, 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 they're caught between. They were Jews, and they got saved, but they're caught between two. It's become very difficult and very hard, and they're missing their old ways. I don't know why you would miss your old ways if you had to live under the law, but they were missing their old ways. Uh, they wanted to go back to their place uh, under the law, and the writer is writing to them and helping them. And every, there's, there's that background app going on all the time. He's helping them with this thing all the time. And he talks about them offering the sacrifice of praise uh, to God continually. Do you know that the Jewish life uh, had, <clears throat> was centered around God? Right? It, it's not like religion as we know it in our day and age where uh, people do their religious duties. The whole life of this nation was centered around everything to do with God. They had morning and evening sacrifice. Uh, it was just part of life. It was, uh, it was who they were. It was what they did. In fact, the Shema says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And that's the the shema of Israel. But do you get it? You're going to talk about these things when you sit down? You're going to talk about them when you rise up? Uh, you're going to talk about them when you go to bed. You, you're, you're always going to be talking about God. If you're, if you're actually carrying out uh, the religion of Judaism, you're going to always be talking about it. And so then these people became believers, and it was so different. They didn't have the morning and evening sacrifice. They didn't have uh, the shema effect. They didn't have any of those things. And, but the writer is turning them to a new way. And what he's telling us here is that praise and thanksgiving are going to replace much of the reason for being conscious of God in the Old Testament. Sunday morning, we come and we're used to singing praises to God. And I hope you come with a heart to it. I hope you don't come with just kind of having the preliminary and then you get down to the meat of it, i.e. the message. Uh, I hope you come with a heart to actually praise and worship God. But do you know that's to be our lives? Our lives are to be praising and thanking God. And the two are very closely linked. In fact, uh, in our passage, it makes them almost the same. Uh, It says the sacrifice of praise to God, that is uh, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of a thankful heart is praise. I said, when you and I are thankful in our hearts, we're going to be praising God all the time. And God is going to be more part of our consciousness than he ever would have been to the Jew who lived in Israel. He's going to be, because we're going to live with that reality. Now you might come this morning and you might say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not quite sure that's, that's true of me. I have a busy life. You know, I, I come to church on a Sunday morning and, you know, I need to be in church and, and I'll, I'll come at other times. John, I'm not sure I, I can really come to this place where it's part of my life, where it's just always going on for me. But do you know that's what God wants for for us? God wants it to be always in our... He doesn't want there to be just set times. Yes, there should be set times 
for praise. But he doesn't want that to be just set times. He wants it to be something that goes on through the week. He wants you and I to recognize who he is and uh, to give our hearts to him through the week. The when you get up in the morning. There's, a, there's a, a, a thanks to him for a night's sleep. There's a thanks to him for the life he's given. When we eat food, there's a, a giving of thanks for the food. And it's, and it's not just the perfunctory, you know. Uh, it's real. I'm thanking him for the food uh, he's given me. Uh, there's, there's, there's all the blessings that go on in your life. And there are blessings in your life. There are lots of blessings in your life. You may be focused on something other than the blessings right now. But that doesn't mean there aren't lots of blessings. The first one being, of course, that you're going to heaven. If you're born again, you're going to heaven. That's, that's the greatest blessing anyone's ever had. And God wants you to look at those blessings, and he wants you to, to mouth praise and thanks to him for them. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. We're going to look at offering sacrifices to God, uh, and the key one of them being offering the sacrifice of praise. So let's pray. Father, would you bless your word to us now? Lord, we are a needy people. And Lord, so easily, Lord, we get distracted. Lord, we live in a flesh and blood world. We live in a world that screens for our attention day and night. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to be occupied with those things that are important. May it be that our hearts are lifted up and that we're occupied with you, Lord, through our week. And Lord, we know that the rest of it will go much better when we are. Bless now, we pray. Uh, touch us with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the sacrifices of praise. Spurgeon says this. He says, what then? Are we to offer no sacrifice? Very far from it. We are called upon to offer to God a continual sacrifice. Instead of presenting in the morning and the evening a sacrifice of lambs and on certain holy days bringing bullocks and sheep to be slain, we are to present to God continually the sacrifice of praise. Having done with the outward, we, are now, we now give ourselves entirely to the inward and to the spiritual. Catch that. Having done with the outward, we now give ourselves to the inward and to the spiritual. Why did God want Israel going through all these things and doing them? Why did he want them offering sacrifices? Why did he, want them, why did he give them such a regimented way to live? Because he wanted their hearts to be drawn to him. The problem for them was that they got to the place where they could do and do and do without their hearts ever being touched. And that's not what God wants. God wants your heart and my heart to be occupied with him over and over again, always. You say, that sounds a little bit laborious. Really, it's not. It's not laborious at all. It's the outworking of a life that's vibrantly spiritual uh, is a heart that's just occupied with praise, that you can't go through the day without thanking him. That you can't go through the day without praising him for something. Now, let, let me th throw this out to you as we begin. Do, do you realize that, 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 that you can't in your heart uh, be low and be down and be struggling and be praising and thankful at the same time? Do you know that? You can't do that. What happens is one gives way to the other. And you end up having control if you will make the decision to praise and give thanks, that's going to take sway in your heart. And I guarantee it will lift you. Now, I understand some of you have melancholy nature and some of you have difficulties. I understand that. But, but I guarantee you that every time you give your heart to praising and thanking God, your spirit will lift. Because it just does. And I'm not minimizing anybody's problems, right? <clears throat> so he says this. He says, 
Praise that pleases God. Um, The sacrifice of praise that pleases God is offered by him. Look what it says in the verse. Uh, It says, um, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. How does that work? Well, Well, it has to be by him and in him and through him. When you got saved, the Spirit of God came to dwell inside of you. When you got saved, you got a righteousness that wasn't your own. When you got saved, you became acceptable to God based upon his son. So that when God looks down on you, he doesn't see you and all your wretchedness and you with your problems and your difficulties. He looks down on you and he sees his son. And he accepts you because of his son in you. And when it comes to praise, that's the only praise that's going to actually count. Remember the woman at the well? Um, Jesus said to her, uh, he, he said that they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he's talking about. It's the reality of God in you worshiping God. So the first requirement for us to give him the sacrifice of praise would be this. You and I would have to be in the place where we're born again, where we're his, where the son of God indwells us and uh, we live with him. That would have to be the reality of our lives. And very often there's not a heart of praise either because we're not truly born again or because we're not living that reality. We're not living with the reality of the fact that God is in me, that Jesus uh, dwells in me, uh, that that I'm in him and he's in me and that uh, it's real. We're not living in that vibrant and vital relationship And because when we live in that vibrant and vital relationship, it becomes natural. It becomes easy so to speak, for us to actually praise him, to offer him the sacrifice of praise. But it's born out of that relationship with him. Secondly, he says, praise that pleases God is offered continually. Now that one can trip us up, can't it? Because we don't mind giving Sunday morning. We, we, we may not even mind coming on Sunday evening and a Wednesday evening. Uh, you know, we, we might even have our devotions in the morning. But continually? I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. So do you. How am I going to do this continually? Well, you see, again, it's born out of the sweetness that's inside of you because Jesus is there. And from that sweetness that's inside of you, you go through your day and there are blessings. And without you focusing on it or concentrating on it or or making it happen, there's a thank you, Lord. There's a thank you, Lord, for the car that you get to drive to work in. There's a thank you, Lord, for the home that you get to live in. There's a thank you, Lord, for those special people that he brings into your life. There's a thank you for the food that you eat. There's a thank you for the weather. There's a thank you for the beautiful beauty of the flowers. It's just there. It's, it's, it's real. It's, it's in our lives. It's, it's something that's coming forth from us because, you know what? <clears throat> We're in relationship with him and he's in everything. And it just becomes the norm for us. It just becomes real. It's not something you have to force. It's not something you have to put on. It's something that becomes natural for you. Uh, and it becomes tenu- continual. Uh, praise that pleases God is offered continuously. Praise that pleases God uh, is a sacrifice of praise. Do you know, we have to live in our lives in that sense where uh, we're, we're living for God, though it costs us. And do you know, do you know it does cost you to live for God? 
It does cost you. I mean, we can talk about the benefits and the blessings, but there, there, there's a cost. You see, if you're going to live for God this week, there are certain things you're going to say no to. There are certain people that maybe you're going to offend. If you're going to live for God this week, what's going to happen is you're going to have to live in a certain way. Now, let me tell you, if you don't know this already, God will be no man's debtor. Anything you sacrifice for him this week, he will abundantly repay. You will enjoy a reality of him that makes it more than worthwhile. But there are choices you're going to have to make. There are issues you're going to have to deal with in your life, and you're going to have to uh, deal with them, and you're going to have to make them right. Because, you see, without holiness, no man shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for, for they shall see God. God wants you to live pure. He wants you to live holy. He wants you to enjoy that relationship with him. And, and, and if, 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 you, if you won't live holy, you're not going to enjoy it. And this is not going to work. What we're talking about is not going to work. There needs to be that holiness of life. There's a sacrifice involved. But you know what? Like every sacrifice that you give for God, it's more than repaid. God's an abundant giver. It is more than repaid. And then, <clears throat> praise that pleases God is the fruit of our lips. <clears throat> we have to come to the place where we're actually speaking it forth. Where we're actually saying it. Where we're speaking the words. Do you know that words are powerful things? When God created the world, what did he do? He spoke. Isn't that interesting? You know, he could have said he imagined it. He could have said he did it. But he, he spoke it into existence. And do you know that God wants you and I to speak? I want you to speak words of praise. Now, look, I understand. You're not going to go through your day singing uh, hymns. You're not going to go through your day maybe uh, saying praise the Lord all the time. I understand there's going to be lots of times when it's going to be an internal. But there has to be those times when it breaks forth into words. When it becomes the reality of words. Hosea 14 verse 1 says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn unto the Lord. Say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. And it's kind of a mirror of the uh, the sacrifice of praise. Um, Kind of a mirror of of the thought there. But it's dealing with repentance. And Hosea is saying to the nation of Israel, he's saying, listen, come to God with words. Tell him you were wrong. Tell him you are sorry. Tell him you want that none of that, that you want him. Give him the sacrifice. Uh, render unto him the, the, the calves of, of your lips and um, come and tell him it's wrong. And he'll deal with it. He'll take away. Hosea's talking about revival. He's talking about God dealing with it and God taking it away. And But... He says, you've got to put it in words. You know, sometimes when it comes to repentance, we're very inclined to go do this. I'm going, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was wrong. And you know why we do that? Because we're not willing to face it. We don't, we don't want to articulate it. We don't want to feel bad about ourselves. And you know, <clears throat> listen, God is gracious and God is merciful and God is reaches, reaches out to us anyway. But you know what he wants? He wants you and I to get honest. And he wants you and I to come to him and say, Lord, forgive me. That was wrong. He wants you you and I to get honest and to be straight with ourselves uh, and with others. And it's kind of like a mother telling a child who was upset. You ever see a mother and you've got a child who's crying and bawling and and the mother is saying to the child, now use your words. Tell me what it is you want to say. Don't don't just cry. Tell me what's going on. 
Like, I can't help you if you don't tell me. God wants you to tell him. Now, you say, but God knows everything. Yeah, but you and I don't know everything. And when God asks, asks us to articulate it, to put it in words, we get to actually see the reality of it. Yeah, that's how praise works. You know, you and I can live our lives like rats in a treadmill, like ants, flying around, preparing the food for the winter and doing, <clears throat> uh, doing all the business and doing all the work. And we get, we get, it gets tiny, it gets small, and it gets very burdensome. But when we from our hearts lift our voices and we thank God, thank God for the blessings he brings into our life, do you know it changes in your heart? It's one of the most amazing things how it changes when you use those words and actually thank God and praise God for all that he's done in your life. And, and develop a thankful heart. You know, if you've, if you've never consciously decided, I'm going I'm to be thankful, <clears throat> try it tomorrow. Instead of complaining all the way through tomorrow about all the things that are going on in your life, thank God for the things that are happening in your life. Some of the things are going to be, going to be easy to thank God for. Right? When you get the breakfast that you want in the morning and that's what's served up to you, you know, you're going to be, that's easy to be thankful for. Oh, when you have difficulties with somebody tomorrow, that's going to be harder to be thankful for. But do you know that God's in that? God's in everything that's going to happen in your life tomorrow. God is, God is involved in everything. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God's involved in all of it. And he's working all things together for your good. And he's working all things with the big plan in mind, the eternal plan in mind. He's working all those things in your life to give you a better resurrection. Yeah, and get on God's side of it. Bring your head around in it. And thank God for all the things he's going to do in your life tomorrow. You'll be amazed. You'll be absolutely amazed at what it does to you. I mean, I've recommended it before. Uh, Anne Voskamp wrote a book, A Thousand Gifts. And the book is her uh, encouraging you, basically, to record a thousand gifts. Somebody gave her a challenge, and she took it up. Uh, a thousand things to be thankful for, and how it changed her life. You know what? I think some of you would greatly benefit from taking that challenge. A thousand things to be thankful Do you think you could find a thousand things to be thankful for? It's interesting, the things she found to be thankful for and how it changed for her. You know, listen, it would be amazing the, the way it would change your life. If you could find a thousand things to be thankful for, you wouldn't be a sad person who's always got problems anymore, would you? You'd be a very blessed person. But you are. You are a very blessed person. But because we don't take time to think it through and to actually uh, articulate it, very often we don't realize how blessed we are. <clears throat> Our lips, though, can bring forth spiritually pleasing, fragrant fruit, <clears throat> or they can bring rotten, unwholesome words. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Nothing that's corrupt is supposed to come out of your mouth. Now, let me tell you one of the quickest ways for you to derail praise in your life and to derail your life in the spirit is for you to use your tongue uh, to lash out, to hurt, and to cause pain to other people. For you to use your tongue corruptly. I think swearing would come into this, obviously, but, uh, you know, I think uh, we need to be very careful how we use our tongues. God wants you to use your mouth 
for praise, for good things, for giving thanks. And you using your mouth for praise, for good things, and for giving thanks has an impact on you. It actually changes you. But when you use your word to cook and devour, what you're going to find is you're going to find, listen, it doesn't go very well for you. That's going to have a drastic effect on you. James 3.9 says this. He's talking about the tongue. He says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now what's he saying? He's saying it's hypocrisy of the highest order for you and I Uh, to want on the one hand to praise God and give him thanks for everything, and on the other hand, we're going to shred the people around us. I'm going to give you a revelation in case you you didn't know this. Do you know that the people around you aren't perfect? Do you know that? Did you know that? Your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, um, your friends, none of them are perfect. Now, you didn't know that, did you? Uh, They've all got problems and they've all got issues. And you can use your mouth to keep pointing out their problems and their issues. You can use your mouth to keep shredding them. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to ruin your relationships. But you know what else is going to happen? It's going to come between you and God. Because what God is going to say to you, now hang on a minute, you're going to praise me, you're going to thank me here, but over there you've been shredding that person. Don't you know I put that person in your life? That person is there because I want to use them to help you and to change you. Listen, if you're going to thank me over here, you need to thank me there too. And the moment you change your heart and start thanking God for the difficult people he's put in your life, things change. The moment you get your head around that. Because now what you're doing is you're kind of coming in line with who you are and who God wants you to be, and you're actually able to thank him for the reality of what he's doing in your life. You can't have two ways. You can't have it so that you split it. You can't have it so that uh, on the one hand, you're shredding people, and on the other hand, uh, you're praising God. It's not going to work. You've got to bring it around. You've got to come to the place where you're thanking God for the people in your life, even though they're difficult, even though they cause you problems. And by the way, don't wait for the other person to do this. You don't have to wait for anybody. You just do it. You just get it right. right. But stop using your tongue. God says it's, it's, it's hypocrisy. He says you can't have salt water, you can't have good water and bitter uh, coming, uh, coming from the same fountain. He says your heart. Obviously your heart has a problem here. Fix the problem in your heart. And then what you'll have is you'll have pure water coming out of it. What are that's able to praise him and bless others? But, you know, it's so important to our lives. It's so important to our lives that we don't just let our hearts run, uh, let them do whatever they want to do. Because if we do, if you let your mouth run, because remember, your mouth is the expression of your heart. If you let your mouth run, it's going to unravel you. It'll destroy you. you know, listen, if your mouth is running off at somebody and you're shredding them, you know what? You have a problem. You say, but they have, yeah, I know they have a problem too. But that's not the issue God wants to deal with in your life. He wants to deal with the one in your heart. 
And he wants you to get it straightened out and get it right. See, being filled with the Spirit will result in praise and thanksgiving. And by the way, this is the answer. The answer is to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice what it says. Verse 18 is being filled with the Spirit. Verse 19 is speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That you're actually speaking. Psalms would be Scripture. Scripture songs. Hymns would be expressions of praise to God. Spiritual songs would be spiritually uplifting songs focusing on what God has done for us. But he says you're to speak to yourself. And in... Ephesians, it's not your kind of, okay, I'm going to do this. The natural outflowing of being filled with the Spirit is that what you're doing is you're speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And you know what everybody in this room knows? that You know that morning when, listen, you've had devotions and you've been right with God and things are sweet between you and Him. And in your heart, there's a melody. And there are words in your, and sometimes actually coming out, you're, you're singing them. Even if you don't sing well, you're still singing them. Uh, and you're singing, you're giving praise and worship to God because you're filled with the Spirit. Do you know the answer? The, the, the way for you, to, you and I to fix the praise in our hearts is for us to be in the place where we're actually walking with God. Where the Spirit of God uh, is in control in our lives. And, and we're speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. That's not something you're doing. That's something the Spirit of God is doing in and through you. Let me ask you. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me. How have you used your tongue this week? Because how you've used your tongue this week is an indication of where your heart is with the Lord. And that's what needs to be made right. And you may need to go and say to some people, listen, forgive me. Yeah, I did you wrong. I, I, I used my tongue to hurt you this week. But you know what? That's important to God. You see, there's a, there's a side of us where we want our relationship with God just to be a vertical. Oh, just uh, The rest of you stay away from me because you annoy me. I'm just going to get on with God, me, me and God, and I'm going to praise God and worship God. And God knows us. He knows us. He knows what we're like. He knows if we could get away with that, we'd do that one. So he says, no, uh, you're going to have to love them as well. And that just complicates the whole thing, doesn't it? You know what it does? It makes it real. If the Spirit of God is really in control in your life, the people around you are going to know it. The people around you are going to be touched by it. You know, so, you know, it's, if it's going to be real, you've got to let it go all the way through, and it's going to affect other people too. The sacrifice of praise. <clears throat> Let me move quickly because we have the Lord's table as well this morning. Uh, then he says, do good. Hebrews 13, verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, we're very inclined to get all spiritual and to, uh, you know, even if, even, even if we'll agree with the praise. I'm say, okay, all right, I get that. I've got to get that straightened out in my life. I've got to get, uh, get that right. But he says, we're supposed to do good. Now, let me say this to you. Doing good has no part of your salvation. In other words, doing good is not how you get saved. Somebody gets saved by coming to the place where they believe they're a sinner, and Jesus is the Savior, and they bow before him and they trust him as their Savior, and they're born again by faith in him. It's all of faith, not of works at all. 
But do you realize this, that once we are saved, God doesn't want us to sit in our salvation and wait for the end. God wants us to do good. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's not of works. Verse 9 says, Lest any man should boast. But then verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, his poem, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Do you know that you and I are supposed to, because we're saved, not in order to get saved, but because we're saved, the outflowing of my saved life is supposed to be that I do good to others, that I bless others. Do you know Christians ought to be great people to have around? It ought to be evident in our lives that we're good people to have around, that we're helpful, that we're nice, that we're we're actually good people to have around. And again, in our busy world, in a world where we're taken up with everything, It's easy for us to forget that. We're supposed to do good to others. We're supposed to have a heart for others. We're supposed to have time for others. We're supposed to give to others. We're supposed to bless others. All of us. And you see, it's not going to be real in our lives unless we let it go all the way through. And then he says, be generous. Do good. Uh, But to do good and to communicate, that's, that's your word there to fellowship, to partnership with people, uh, to take, to help them. And that's going to take you, you and I being generous. Jesus said this, he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And you and I are supposed to be a people that give, that take care of those in need, that, look, look, that are looking out for people that are hurting and trying to take care of them and trying to, to bless them and trying to uh, be a blessing in our hearts and our, uh, to people that are around us. See, being a Christian is supposed to be a good thing. And I think, you know what? The Spirit of God moves in your heart sometimes to meet a need to help somebody. And you need to follow through on that. You need to do that. You know, it might be you doing something for somebody. It might be you giving some money for somebody, maybe even anonymously. It might be you just getting something for somebody and, and being a blessing to them. But you need, you need to do that. Do you know the antidote to the covetousness of our age is generosity? That we're not just taking all that we have and all that we can find and taking it for ourselves, but that we're giving. That we're blessing others. And, and as God gives you opportunity, you're supposed to bless people. You're supposed to take care of people. You're supposed to partnership with them in their need. You're supposed to take care of them and reach out to them as you can. Uh, you see, lip service has to be accompanied with life service. Um, a young boy from the ghetto area of a large city wandered into a church one morning. He heard the news that God loved him and accepted Christ as his Savior. Not long afterwards, someone tried to shake his newfound faith by asking him, If God really loves you, why doesn't someone take better care of you? Why doesn't he tell somebody to send you a new pair of shoes? The boy thought for a moment. And then with tears filling his eyes, he gave this wise answer. He said, I guess he does tell somebody. But somebody forgets. You know what? I think God does tell us, doesn't he? God does move in our hearts to actually help people. And we get busy. And money's tight. And we don't. Three things he says to us that we're to do. He says, we're supposed to give the sacrifice of praise. 
He says that we're supposed to do good. And we're supposed to be generous. Do you know Christianity is very real? Christianity touches the world and affects the world. And the greatest testimony for Christianity is not our new building. It's not our new two services and our carpets and everything else. The greatest testimony for Christianity is you and I living our lives as Christians out there. We're going to talk about that next month, about us reaching out to other people. But you know, the greatest part of it is you and I just being real Christians. See, if we'll give thanks and praise, that's going to change us. If we're continually giving praise and thanks, that, that changes us. That changes your, uh, <coughs> everything about you. That changes how you interact with people. Because you know what? You're no longer one of the hungry people of the world looking to get You've got a God to be thankful for, to praise and to thank. And if we live Christianity and remember to do good, because the Spirit of God dwells in us, that affects our world. You know, so many people are out there looking for themselves, looking for somebody to give to them. But if you and I will just overcome that and come to the place where we will give to them, you know what? They get drawn to him. And if you're not be generous, be giving. You can't be godlike and not be generous. You just can't. Because our God is generous. He is hilariously generous, one passage tells us. Our God will give to you and will bless your life as you give. But you and I need to live it, live the reality of it. We're going to go to the Lord's table in a moment. <clears throat> Many of you get ready for that. We're going to go to the Lord's table. And <clears throat> I want you to think on what we've just talked about. First of all, that heart of praise and worship. Not just a Sunday morning thing. That heart of praise and worship. Right? Uh, secondly, are you doing good in your life? Is there somebody that the Lord has put in your heart that he wants you to do good for? Right? <clears throat> and then... Thirdly, be generous. Find somebody to give to this week. Even you say, I haven't got much. It doesn't have to be much. The widow's might, Jesus said, was more than they all. It's a heart that God's always looking for. See, Israel had the rules and the regulations that were supposed to draw them to God, but it didn't. You and I have been given the spirit that does draw us to God. Let's let him have his way in our hearts and lives in this week. Let's stand for prayer.